Welcome back to the Milk Minute Podcast, everybody. Today, we are rerunning episode 17 on poops and peas for a very special reason. There has been a lot of chatter in the Facebook group and in our Patreon about the product Avivo and how it changes your baby's poop. If you follow the podcast, you've probably listened to episodes 47 and 48, where Maureen and I interviewed the scientists that have been working on the product Evivo, which serves as a prebiotic for the infant gut. And this is from a company called Evolve Biosystems. We have spoken with these scientists so many times, and we've actually become friends after all of this time and all of the questions that we've received from listeners like you who have used this product with their baby. So I thought it was important that we kind of added this information that we've received about how Evivo changes the poop, just so you could kind of add that in there if this is something that you've been wondering with your baby who's had Evivo. So here's the deal. When you give your baby Evivo, you are replacing a bacteria that is incredibly important to the infant gut microbiome that was originally there all along. Nature had designed us to have this bacteria in our gut, B. infantis, to digest the human milk oligosaccharides in breast milk. So these HMOs, which are like 15% of the breast milk, do not get used by your baby. They are used by the bacteria B. infantis. When the B. infantis digests these human milk oligosaccharides, it has a byproduct that's really acidic, and it creates this environment in the newborn gut that is not hospitable for those yucky bacteria that we definitely do not want in there. So the pathogenic bacteria, like C. diff, for example, likes to live in an environment where the pH is more neutral. And so this B. infantis that we should have in our bodies prevents that bacteria from taking over. And what it looks like when that bacteria does take over is a lot of inflammation. And when we get inflammation, we get sometimes blood, we get sometimes mucus, which I know a lot of you have always been wondering, is this mucus normal? And to top that all off, your baby will poop more without B. infantis because that 15% of the HMOs in your breast milk are not being used. So we are not using as much of the breast milk as we normally could. So when your baby is getting Evivo and you're replacing this B. infantis that should have been there all along, and please go back and re-listen to episodes 47 and 48 to learn how we killed the infant gut microbiome a couple generations ago. But anyways, when you give your baby Evivo and those HMOs begin to finally be digested by B. infantis that you're giving in the Avivo, it's now using all the parts of the breast milk and we have decreased inflammation. So your baby's poop after that initial transition phase of life, you know, where you have the meconium and the transition stool, your baby's poop normally will be maybe once a day, maybe once every other day, a semi-formed golden stool. And a lot of you are probably thinking, what? And yes, it is true. Other parts of the world where they have not abused antibiotics and killed the infant gut microbiome, whose babies do have B. infantis in their gut, do not have the traditional American normal where their baby poops 10 times a day, loose, runny, watery, bright yellow poop. So 
this is what this is doing for you. So I wanted to make sure that we address this because since episode 47 and 48 have aired, so many of you have tried eVivo and really loved it. Like, honestly, we're going to do a whole bonus episode where Maureen talks about her testimonial using the eVivo product with her daughter, Lyra. And we're going to talk to a lot of other listeners as well who have used it and had great success. I really believe in it. And I just wanted to make sure that you knew if you were using the Avivo, your normal might sound a little bit different than the normal that we talk about in episode 17, which you're about to hear right now. So thank you so much for sticking with us. Thank you so much for learning with us as we grow in our profession and as we grow in science and we learn more and more every day about the best ways to care for our babies. So we appreciate you. Enjoy the episode and let us know if you've used Avivo and how it went. And maybe we can feature you in the bonus episode. So email us at milkminutepodcast at gmail.com. And if you have a friend who has a baby who's struggling with their gut in some way, or a friend who's told you that they're about to cut everything out of their diet and go dairy free, please send them this episode and episode 47 and 48, because there might be something very simple that we can do to fix this situation. All right. Well, Heather out. Episode 17, right back in. Milk minute, milk minute, milk minute, yeah. This is Maureen Farrell and Heather O'Neill, and this is the Milk Minute. We're midwives and lactation professionals, bringing you the most up-to-date evidence for all things lactation, so you can feel more confident about feeding your baby, body positivity, relationships, and mental health. Plus, we laugh a little or a lot along the way. So join us for another episode. Can I tell you what I'm really loving right now? What? Uh, Alanis Morissette's new album. Oh my gosh. I'm dying. I am so excited. I'm so obsessed with her my whole life. But did you know, so when Jagged Little Pill came out, you know, I didn't realize my world was about to be completely changed by her. Nobody knew that. But I was looking forward to it. Right. And I was really like starting to feel my feminist roots taking hold. And my mom. Obviously. Well, you're seven yes, years old. Yeah. yeah seven or eight. My, like I requested the album for Christmas, yeah. you know, as you do. And as my, you do. my mom, God love her, uh, she said to me one day, because I didn't get it for Christmas. And I was like, what the Well, heck? what the fuck, Santa? Yeah. What the hell? And she was like, Heather, I'll be honest with you. I did buy Jagged Little Pill for you for Christmas, but then God told me to listen to it before I gave it to you. And thank God I did because it was just so inappropriate. (laughs) And she broke it in half. She didn't just throw it away, she like snapped it and threw it in the garbage. And I was like, (laughs) and that just cemented your feelings about, you know, righteous indignation and fucking revolution. I know. Thank you, Alanis, because mm-hmm. from you that moment our lives. on, I was just biding my time to be right. a surly teenager. I mean, that's what I mean, you really the seeds were sown, Heather. <laughs> so Alanis had a home birth, in case you didn't know. Because she's a badass. And she was on that documentary, The Business of Being Born with Ricky Lake. She's so good. And she had no qualms about saying, Yeah, home birth was fucking hard. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, No, uh, yeah. it wasn't all unicorns and sunshine. Do you know if her second baby was born at home? I actually don't know. Well, we got to Google it. We got to look it up. But I actually just posted a a picture of Alana's breastfeeding while getting some kind of a facial um, in our free breastfeeding group that we run. Oh, yeah. Called Breastfeeding for Busy Moms. And it's getting all kinds of love. 
Uh, as it should. As it should. If you don't love Alanis Morissette, I don't love you. Did you see her on <laughs> Jimmy Fallon singing her new song, Ablaze, and her daughter is with her? And, you know, more, yeah, you did see it because you, <laughs> you texted me and you were like, motherfucking Alanis can't even get a babysitter anymore. Oh, my God. <laughs> huh. Well, let's see. I didn't actually didn't realize she had three kids. Oh. Either. She had her third child, her son, at 35, or 45, sorry, wow. I'm impressed by you, Alanis Morissette. <laughs> okay, I'm trying to figure out if those babies were born at home, but instead I got this great quote where Alanis says, I have discovered the virtues of coffee truly. Coffee has become very helpful in that I'm sleeping a lot less, but motherhood is also all about integration for me. Oh. Oh, Alanis, speak the truth. I want to integrate Alanis into my life again. First album in eight I years. Just, I, yeah. And and frankly, I've felt off for the past eight years, so I'm I'm looking forward to this being is, recentered. Yeah, it it totally is. <laughs> she she calls no, home birth uh, gnarly and compares it to the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, <laughs> which is honestly like I'm pretty sure she said that with love because I feel like I've said the same things. <laughs> yeah, I mean it doesn't mean it's bad. It's just, no, it's just it's what it's it is. A lot. Birth is kind of always like that, guys. Let's take a minute to thank our sponsor, Lumi. Lumi didn't invent deodorant, but they changed everything about it. It's clinically proven to control odor for 72 hours, but it's all natural. And it's six times more effective than the other leading natural deodorants. Plus, it's fun to say they have hilarious commercials and it's a female-founded business. And they don't just have deodorant for your armpits, but for your other private parts. Oh, so exciting. So say goodbye to your breastfeeding stank and click the link in our show notes to get your Lumi today. talk about poop and pee today hit us with it maureen oh man okay so the reason actually that we want to even talk about poops and pees today is because this is probably the easiest way for a parent who only breastfeeds like straight from the breast to track how much their baby is eating because intake directly relates to outtake right so if you, you know, are one of those people who you breastfeed and you just keep wondering, is my baby getting enough? Is my baby getting enough? I don't know. I can't measure, you know. You can't, like, shake a boob and be like, oh, feels like five ounces. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so this is the the easiest way to do that. And it also gives you a good metric just to track your baby's health on in general. Yeah. I mean, that's consistent with yeah. adults. I mean, every I totally look at my poop. We are our poop. Yeah, and I mean, there are days that I turn around and look in the toilet, and I'm like, Heather, pull your shit together. I know. I had diarrhea this morning, and I was like, it's probably because I didn't sleep. Yeah, sleeping. But it could be something else. It's hormone-regulated as well. And, you know, if you're not drinking enough water, if your poop is floating, that's not normal either. Yeah. Too much fat in your diet. Oh, I get that one a lot. Um, anyway, <laughs> it's also I, I, okay. No, I'm I'm not going to go into it. There's some fascinating stuff about that. Okay. Anyway, tracking your baby's poops and peas. We will talk about yours in another episode. And moms. why it relates to <laughs> breastfeeding, particularly. Yeah. Okay. So this can give you peace of mind during cluster feeds when your baby's sick, um, when they're transitioning, maybe from supplemental feeding back to breastfeeding only. You know, so this is this is just a really good thing to have in mind. 
We're going to start from birth. Yeah, let's talk about, okay, the first poop is called meconium. Right. It's that poop that looks like your baby is shitting tar. Yep. And you know what it is? It's actually in their gut pretty much for at least half the amount of time that they're inside you as Mm -hmm. a fetus. And it's actually broken down skin cells, broken down hair. It's like all the stuff that your baby has been drinking in the amniotic fluid and it's filtering out there, but it's not pooping inside you. Ideally. It's really, it's really cool, actually. It is really cool. <laughs> it's also like, disgusting. It's like a butt plug. Yeah, you know, like when, it is. When bears go to hibernate for the winter and they start eating their own hair and mm-hmm. rocks and stuff to kind of like. <laughs> I don't think they actually eat rocks. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know that much about bears. Jesus. I'll see your baby's not eating rocks. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, bears at least I know for a fact eat their own yes, hair and create their own butt plug so they don't have to shit while they're hibernating all winter. <laughs> All those rocks you swallow that go right to your uterus. <laughs> I just can't. Okay, anyway, yes. So meconium. Um, and there's usually a significant amount of meconium. So some babies who just shit it all out at once, you actually might not see them poop again for about 24 hours, and mm-hmm. that's okay. So it's something to pay attention to, especially in a hospital birth where – They might not say, like, wow, your baby just shit meconium everywhere, or you might not notice it because a nurse cleans it up really quick. It's a good thing to ask. Mm -hmm. Has my baby pooped yet? How much poop? Mine pooped on the way out. Yeah, trailing mech, as we call that. Sometimes they poop while they're still in you. Well, mine was a forward projectile mech because he was a cesarean breach delivery, and he came out ass first and was – the pictures are hilarious because you see a little white butt, and then you see a little white butt with poop shooting out of it, and he's still (laughs) half in me. I was like – and that highlights our whole relationship. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've seen – I mean, that's what you see with breech births, though, is just, like, the butt comes out first, and then the intestines all get squeezed, and it just comes out like toothpaste. Yeah, toothpaste <laughs> or, like, chocolate soft serve ice cream. Right. <laughs> anyway. Um, and it, right. So it's a good thing to know. If your baby poops a significant amount of meconium in the first, you know, hour after birth, you're not going to see a lot. Those You might not see any more in the first 24 hours. However – we typically see one or more poops in the first 24 hours, and it is usually still meconium. Let's take a minute to thank our sponsor, Happy Tummy. I am so glad that Happy Tummy has made this safe, natural alternative to gas drops and drugs that are just going to alter your baby's system. Happy Tummy is a sweet little wrap that goes right around your baby's body, and it provides a safe alternative to infant colic and just general fussiness as their guts are maturing. It smells wonderful. It applies a little bit of gentle pressure on your baby's tummy. And also, you can use it yourself. You got cramps? Throw Happy Tummy on your own belly. They make all kinds of products. So please go check out Happy Tummy and use the code BREASTFRIENDS10 to get 10% off your order. I couldn't recommend this enough. I do not recommend gas drops. And as a lactation consultant and a previous NICU nurse, I can honestly tell you this would have been a godsend for just those babies that are experiencing just those normal symptoms of growing, but they can be a little bit uncomfortable. Happy Tummy has the solution for you. So make sure you use the coupon code BREASTFRIENDS10 because our listeners get 10% off. Again, how much your baby poops day one might affect what you see day two. Uh, Day two, we usually see another one or two poops that are still meconium. And 
Should I be doing peas at the same time? Yeah, let's Why do peas do too peas because too the before peas, I go too much so further. So a lot of times people will be like, my baby hasn't peed in the first 24 hours and they, you might have missed it yeah. because a lot of times the pee isn't a lot because they haven't drank a lot of volume. It's really just that third spaced fluid from swelling that their kidneys are trying to pull out of the tissues and filter. And that process can take a little bit of time. Usually they do pee in the first 24 hours. Yeah, we usually see one. Yeah, but it doesn't have to be a lot. No. Um, we just like to make sure that they have patent buttholes and yeah. urethras. Yeah, that's our big thing in the first 24 hours. And and again, with eating, too, it's like we just want to see the ability for these functions, but the amount doesn't matter as much. So if the baby has pooped at all, we're like, cool, your baby's able to poop. If your baby pees at all, we're like, fuck yeah, your baby's able to pee. If your baby feeds at all, we're like, cool, your baby can feed. Right. And yeah. if your baby is pooping with every diaper change, which also can happen, the mm-hmm. meconium just kind of slips out a little bit at a time, the pee might be buried in that meconium. Yeah. You just might not be able to see it. So actually, you'll see that pediatricians really don't worry about peas too much in the first 24 to 48 hours. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the next day, usually, again, we see one or two poops, maybe more. Um, typically, we see about two peas, maybe more. So usually, our rule of thumb is kind of as many poops and peas as days they are old for about the first week, but that can definitely make people worry a little bit. So it, it is a guideline. It's not going to be exact. I've never met a baby who poops twice on day two and pees twice on day two and poops three times on day three. That never happens, but <laughs> it's it's a guideline. Yeah, I like it because as a nurse, if you're taking care of these kids, yeah. you know, if you start to see that something's off, you're just paying more attention to other symptoms. Yeah. And if they don't exist, then we don't care. But yeah. if you start to see that other symptoms are happening, like, you know, rippling of the stomach where mm-hmm. you can actually see the digestion happening, that's a little odd. Right. And as a parent, these give you a good guidelines for when you might want to call your midwife or your pediatrician to say, hey, is this normal? Right. And also, we need to just let you know that you might see a little bit of a brick dust color. <laughs> oh, in dude, the, pee. the brick dust pee. Oh, man, it is alarming and normal. <laughs> it's alarming, but normal. It literally looks like somebody like pinched a little piece of brick and just like ground it up, tossed it in the diaper. Yeah. It's super weird. Yeah, so that's normal. And um, also pseudomenzies. Yes. Uh, baby girls occasionally essentially have a little tiny beanie baby period. Yeah, except that one that you showed me a picture was of that one time. was not teeny tiny. It was so much. And it, we were like, what the fuck? It was like a half dollar of a blood clot in <laughs> yeah, the Yeah, usually diaper. it's literally just like a tiny stain in the diaper. It's a little mucusy, And you look around to make sure it's not coming out of the butt. And that's all you need to do. This I did have one client who sent us pictures where I I actually thought the first picture she was sending me a picture of a blood clot of hers mm-hmm. because it was just like a little blood clot on something white that I thought was her pad. No, it was her baby's pseudomenses, yeah. and I about shit a brick. Yeah, <laughs> and that's hormonal. Yeah, it was fine. It was that was also still normal, if but slightly crazy. outside the range of normal. But crazy. <laughs> it was just like way on the edge of normal. That's the one where you take him to the pediatrician, and the pediatrician goes, "Oh, oh, interesting, right?" And I haven't then, seen that since med school. Yeah, and then that's it. Yeah. Like, they're happy that you showed them, but they don't care. They don't care. Yeah. Anyway, okay, so I'm sorry. We're at day three. (laughs) Um, So day three, you might start seeing transitional poop, which means it might be kind of instead of black or really, really dark green, it's going to be a little bit lighter, maybe a little bit thinner, kind of greenish, yellowish, light brown. 
um, because that's about when people's milk starts coming in. Mm-hmm. And babies also have finally pooped all the mech out and are, are starting to actually digest and process um, colostrum and milk. Yeah, and because of that, you'll start seeing more peas on day three. Yeah. Because they should, at that point, be getting at least a little bit of volume. Yeah, so we usually see at least two or three poops and three or more peas on that day. If we're not seeing transitional poop on day three, and we're also not seeing an increase in volume for output, that's when we're going to start asking questions and be like, hey, are you feeling breast changes? Does your milk look different? Why don't you um, express a little milk? And it is normal especially if you have a C-section, for your milk to take longer to come in. Mm -hmm. But again, it's something that we're just going to want to keep a closer eye on to make sure that your baby can tolerate that. Because if you have a big, you know, 41 and a half week baby, they're probably going to be fine. But if you have a 36-week-old baby, we might be in a different situation. Yeah. And if you start to see also that they're jaundiced, so that's another Mm -hmm. symptom that we're looking for. So when we say that it's a guideline and we're looking for other things, that's what we're talking about. We're looking to see if you have milk. Right. We're looking to see if baby is able to transfer that milk. And we're looking to see if baby's jaundiced. Right. Or Or really sleepy. Yeah. 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 So it's a myth that a sleepy baby is a good baby. A sleepy baby is a scary baby for us. Yeah. When I have parents tell me they can't wake up their baby to feed, I tell them to go to the ER sometimes. I mean, it's just like you literally can't wake up your baby. You need to go to the hospital. And and that's also because Maureen lives like hours away from her client sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I do home birth and, you know, the thing is babies decline really fast. And if I get a call where they say I literally cannot wake up this baby, I would 100% rather them go to the ER and have nothing wrong than it take me an hour to get there and see that their baby has declined more since the phone call and then another half an hour for them to get to the hospital. Right, right. So we have to be a little bit more conservative when we're working with home birth. Right. But for you guys, if you're in this first week and your baby is turning yellow or they're so sleepy that they cannot wake, you need to call someone right away. I know that the... Neonatal nurse practitioners tend to get more concerned if the jaundice level is on the lower abdomen Mm -hmm. and even the legs. Yeah. And actually, here's the interesting thing, guys, that you totally can do. When we assess jaundice, we don't assess the skin color that you can just see normally. We assess the color of the blanched skin. So, you know, when you like press a finger into your skin and it turns a lighter color for a second because you've squeezed all the blood out of it, that's the color we're looking at. Mm-hmm. So um, what you actually want to do if you have concerns is you bring your baby over to a window. You want natural light because a lot of indoor lighting is yellow. And then you want to press your thumb into their forehead till it blanches and look at that color. If it's yellow, press your thumb into their chest till it blanches and look at that color. If that's yellow, do it on their tummy, do it on their thighs. So you because jaundice progresses down from the head. Right. So if your baby has jaundice feet, mm. you need to be going in. Yeah, you need That's to go in right now. That's freaking weird. Yeah, but low levels of jaundice are normal with breastfeeding. Yep. So a lot of our clients, their baby's a little bit yellow, their head's a little yellow, maybe their chest is a little bit yellow, nothing more. They're still alert. They can still feed. And we're like, cool, we're just going to watch it. And they're in the first couple of days. Yeah. Like, not the first 24 no. hours. The first 24 hours, that's kind of odd. Yeah. And that really indicates something else. After the first 24 hours, but in the first two weeks is kind of what we're looking at there. Yep. Anyway, day four, guys. <laughs> All these tangents today, Heather. We don't know why people get so confused. 
<laughs> okay, so day four, again, we're going with these numbers that match the days. Three or four poops, four or plus peas. Um, and at this point, most people's milk is in and your baby's poop is going to be more yellow. And they might and poop liquidy. 40 times a day. And they might poop every time they fart, every time they feed. Um, and it might smell like sulfur. Right. Or they they might only poop about once a day. That does happen sometimes. But actually what we're looking at is the volume. So if you tell me your baby poops once a day, I'm going to say, is it more than a quarter? And most people say yes. <laughs> and then I'll say, is it more than a half dollar? Can you compare it to some size? Usually if someone's baby's only pooping once a day, they're like, it is all over them. It's an explosion. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, your baby's very healthy. It's but a poopocalypse. Right. Oh, yeah. We had all kinds of names for that. The crappening was my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> the crappening. Um, anyway, but if you tell me your baby poops once a day at this point on day four or five and it's a very small amount, like a dime size, then I'm going to be a little bit concerned and we're going to look deeper into how much milk they're getting. Oh my gosh, can I just tell you, my husband's from southern West Virginia, and he has all kinds of hilarious little sayings, <laughs> and he's got an accent. And so my daughter literally had one of those poopocalypses, yeah. and he went over to her, and he goes, oh, did you chit up your back? <laughs> <laughs> she chit up her back. <laughs> oh. oh, dear. He's great. I know. Let's take a quick break to thank our sponsor, Aeroflow. Aeroflow is your one-stop shop to get the most popular breast pumps and accessories through your insurance. Yeah, so don't let your insurance go to waste. Why don't you let Aeroflow do all the dirty work for you? You never have to call your insurance when you use Aeroflow. And they remind you when you're eligible for free replacement parts. Yep, so when you're tired in your postpartum period and you're wondering why your pump isn't working as well, you might get a text that says, did you know you need replacement parts? And you say, I did not know that. Right. You push a button and boom, they show up at your door. Thanks, Aeroflow. Thank you so much. Go ahead and check out the link to Aeroflow in our show notes and order your pump through them. So then that brings us to day five. We're still going to see about four or more poops and about five peas. And we should really have yellow poop by now. Your milk should be in by day five. If it's not you need to contact your health provider. It might still be within the range of normal, but we're starting to move outside of that. So you might be looking at some other stuff going on with your body. Um, you know, some issues with retained membranes or placenta, some issues with your thyroid, anemia, stuff like that. Agreed. Yeah. And then um, day six, seven, and beyond <laughs> for a while, um, you're going to be looking at four or more poops daily, at, you know, we're really looking overall each day for at least four quarters worth of poop. <laughs> That's like my minimum. I feel good about that. If we're seeing like one quarter size of poop a day, I'm still worried. Two or three, I might be like, let's see what tomorrow says. But if you're consistently seeing less poops than four and less volume then that's what's concerning. Again, some babies still only poop once a day, and it's a fucking disaster, and that's great. Um, <laughs> and around that time, yeah. you should be going to your first pediatric appointment anyway. Right. So don't or be your midwife to... should still be seeing you and baby. Right, so don't be afraid to bring that up. Right, and usually we're seeing babies have six or more peas a day at that time. A lot of babies by the end of week one are moving to eight or ten peas a day. That's really normal. Again, if you're seeing less, it is about volume. So if you say, well, my baby only has five wet diapers a day, but they are fucking soaked and heavy, that's okay. Mm -hmm. And also, if you're using disposable diapers, 
they're really good at absorbing pee and you might just not be catching a lot of them. So that's what I ask clients too. I'm like, are you using cloth diapers or disposable diapers? Because cloth diaper clients tend to find every single pee and change it right away um, because it's just more noticeable. And then a lot of the people who have these really super absorbent, great, you know. That was me. Whatever. I'm the disposable diaper gal. Right, which is fine, um, but you might be looking at a different diaper count. Also good for practitioners to know when you ask about how many diapers, you should know what kind of diapers your client's using. Right. And if you're using the disposable ones, they are all exactly the same. So if you need to, because you have crazy anxiety and you want to weigh the diapers, you can actually weigh the volume Mm -hmm. because you can just subtract the exact weight of the diaper that you're using. Make sure it's the same size. The size has to be consistent. Yeah. Most scales are pretty easy. You can throw something on and turn it on and it will automatically zero. Or you can turn it on, put your empty diaper on, press the zero or, um, gosh, there's another word for it. That on scales. Anyway, there's a button that makes it ignore whatever weight is already on there. And then you put your wet diaper on. You don't even have to do math. Yeah. So and and this is like, you know, this is good for people who maybe are moving out of a space where their baby had trouble transferring milk and they've had to weigh every feed and they're just, you know, they're really having trouble with, say, the recommendation when their pediatrician's like, oh, baby's fine. You don't have to do that anymore. Mm hmm. And they're like, what? It's like pulling the e-brake on anxiety. Right. It's right. like, uh, no, I'm having some trouble with right. that. So that's a good way to transition out of there. Yeah. Just know that it's an option. Yeah. And sometimes just knowing you have options makes you feel yeah. better. So then we move on past week one where kind of weeks two to six um, have a, a similar normal range where we're seeing four-ish poops a day, at least a quarter size each or more. Um, again, if you have less poops a day. You still want the same amount of volume. And then six or more peas every day. Um, And this poop at this point, if you have a breastfed baby, it's going to be liquid and yellow. It might be seedy, might be kind of like mustard. Um, And there might be some temporary changes in there. It might be a little bit foamy one day, a little bit greenish one day, a little bit darker one day, seedy one day, not the next. The big thing with um, color and texture changes, if they're temporary, I really tell people not to worry about them. However, there are a couple colors that we like to make sure parents are aware of that are more concerning. Do you want to hit me with them, Heather? Like white poop? What the fuck? White poop, like the pale clay. Like bird shit. Burn, yeah, bird shit (laughs) poop. That's that's scary. Yeah, that's that's a really bad one. And rare. Yes, but also if you see that, you... You need to do That's it. not yeah. a normal variation. Yeah. And then blood. But here's my disclaimer about that. Mm-hmm. Because I have sent many clients to see their pediatrician for bloody stools in the diapers. And consistently, the pediatricians always say, was it just this one time yeah. or is it consistent? And that's what I say to people, too. Because yeah. seriously, if you have a little bit of blood in the stool one time... There's really nothing you can assess from that. And it does not mean that you need to start eliminating all kinds of shit from your diet. It means you're in a wait-and-see pattern and you're just paying more attention. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so sometimes you might even just want to call your pediatrician and say, hey, I found blood in baby's stool today because they'll probably say, okay, I'll make a note of it. Yep, keep me posted. And something interesting is that if you have a nipple injury and you are bleeding a little bit into your breast milk, which is fine, it doesn't hurt baby, baby's poop might end up looking black. Mm-hmm. More iron. Yeah, because that digested blood really darkens the poop color. So, again, if you see, like, black poop after the first week, 
after the first few days, um, look at your nipples first. Yeah. Assuming your baby doesn't look like it's dying, right? Right. <laughs> your baby looks fine, just had a black poop, scared the shit out of you. <laughs> um, look at your nipples. Look, if you pump, especially look underneath your nipple, because that's usually where the injury is because you haven't noticed and your nipples are sore all the time, whatever. Um, and if you have a little nipple injury, again, and baby seems fine, make a note of it, write it down. If it doesn't happen again, it's okay. And some people actually have benign cysts in their ducts yeah. that can be bloody. Yep. But so that's if you have dark, dark areas in the baby's stool where everything else is yellow and it's kind of like a dark, dark red. But if you have what's called frank blood, which is bright red poop, you're looking at the baby's bottom and you're just going to make sure you don't see any fissures there or anything, which you shouldn't. Right. But it does happen if if you're kind of aggressively wiping. um, Or if they have yeast. Right. Or if they have a yeast infection, babies totally um, can get bloody butts. Yep. So so look there to make sure that's not the source. Mm -hmm. And then the other thing that it could be is people are like, is it something I ate? And here's the honest truth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But who cares? Right. Because as long as it's just that one time, you have to understand that it's your job to colonize your baby's gut. Your your baby's gut is sterile when it's born. Right. And and yes, sometimes something you eat that ends up in your bloodstream and ends up in your milk will cause enough inflammation in baby's digestive system to have some bleeding. However, 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 this is something that their body is going to learn how to behave in its environment. So you, its gut is maturing because of what you're eating. Right. So you don't want to eliminate all kinds of things because then the baby's not getting a clear picture of what's going on in its environment. Right. And, you know, the, the reality is, like, if it's consistent, it happens a lot, and baby is uncomfortable, gassy, unhappy... That's really when you need to seek some help. Yeah, consistently bloody right. stool, of course. Go and check yeah. with your pediatrician and an IBCLC and see mm-hmm. what's going on. That baby needs a full assessment. That's like a pediatrician-IBCLC combined right. visit. Yeah. Don't just willy-nilly cut out dairy. Yeah, and I, the last one I want to talk about, Heather, I want to talk about green poops a little bit because I feel like there's a lot of misconception around what that means. Yes, please. So a lot of people see a green poop and they're like... <gasps> And they just freak out because that's what that cute little graphic on Facebook says. And it's, I, we are going to have a whole episode about that and why it is and is not an issue to worry about. (laughs) But, um, again, if this is something that happens once or twice, even for a couple of days and then resolves, do not worry about it. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe those days your baby got some more watery milk and less fatty milk because maybe that's what it needed maybe that's what it needed maybe your baby also was getting an infection um and again we see a lot more of the elements of your milk that help baby heal from that in the watery part of the milk they're not Mm. really in the fatty part maybe your baby has mucus right like in its nose that it's swallowing swallowed it right and that happens to every baby. But if it's something that's happening really consistently. And it's frothy. Right. And it's frothy and your baby's unhappy. You know, your baby has gas, your baby has colic, whatever. Then, yeah, talk to your doctor. And you feel like you might have an oversupply. Right. Like you're leaking constantly and right. like nothing is helping. And Actually, talk to your IBCLC first, yeah. not your doctor. Yeah. They don't know what to do. And, and your baby's <laughs> only eating like five minutes at a time and every choking, 45 minutes. And then, yeah. Like if we're looking at a real oversupply, which often, you know, that's when we start to talk about four milk, high milk stuff. Um, 
then yes, you need to seek some help. But really, the one green mucusy poop they had, don't sweat it. Write it down on your calendar. Forget about it. So the last thing I want to talk about, six weeks to six months. Big range of normal here, guys. Um, Usually before six weeks, babies poop many times a day. Right. That's most most commonly, you know, that's when parents are like, what diaper doesn't have poop in it? (laughs) And then sometimes, sometime in the span between six weeks and six months, that changes like that in a day. Sometimes. Sometimes. My babies were always chronic shitters. Okay. All the time. I was, I was, so mine was not. If he ever listens to this when he's a teenager, he's going to be like, Mom, you talked about my poop on a podcast? Yes, Griffin. They're not even going to have podcasts then. It's going to be something different. <laughs> anyway. Um, so, yeah, some babies move from having very um, frequent stools to having very infrequent stools. As few as one a week, one every two weeks. So here's kind of my guideline for what is okay with that. And this is what my pediatrician told me. Your baby might be different. Your pediatrician might be different. I recommend if your baby suddenly hasn't pooped in like three or four days and that is abnormal for them, that you call your pediatrician just to make sure they're aware. Probably they're going to say, it's fine. Just keep watching <laughs> like they always do. Um, but here's the big warning signs. If your baby is visibly straining to poop, like their face is getting red and nothing's happening, If they haven't pooped or farted in a long time, like nothing has passed through their butthole at all. If their abdomen is getting hard and if they look like they're in pain, those are all signs that something is actually wrong. Did I miss one? (laughs) No, I was just wanting to add that this is for exclusively breastfed babies. not formula-fed babies. If your baby gets any formula at all, they should be pooping more often because breast milk is so compatible with the body and the body uses every single piece of it. So there's very little waste product left right. over for them to poop out. But formula right. has tons of waste product that they don't mm-hmm. use. So they're going to have more poops and they're going to mm-hmm. be more formed and they're going to be more smelly. Oh, God, they stink. Um, and, and the thing that I see personally in my practice, this is not a meta-analysis. I, I don't know if there's evidence behind it. But my clients that I've seen where their babies have struggled to transfer milk... From time to time, I, I tend to see this more often. I don't know if that's just because they're only getting literally exactly how much they need. So there's just that, not that much waste. But anyway, I do see it more often with that. Again, it's not a concern as long as your baby is acting normally. But what I recommend to clients, this is my favorite recommendation because my baby never fucking pooped. I bet I can go. Oh, you can. Abdominal massage. <laughs> It's great. Okay. So I'm going to try my best to verbally describe this. And I keep meaning to make a video when I have a compliant, like, three-month-old baby. And I just haven't. Um, because every video on YouTube that I've ever seen is awful. And they're, they're just not doing it right. Um, so if your baby hasn't pooped in a while and you're like, hey, I kind of just want to help my baby out, <laughs> see if this works. Um, you want to lay them on their back. Get a little baby oil, something a little slippery that you might like a massage with. Coconut oil. Right. Coconut oil. Coconut oil. And you're going to take your index and middle finger, two fingers, get them a little oily, take baby's shirt off. Also put them on something that they could poop all over because it might be a disaster. And then you're going to do, you're going to move your fingers around their belly clockwise in a spiral 
that goes into their belly button. And the pressure you're putting on this, you want to actually kind of dent their belly and feel some of the aspects in there. So this is a, a significant amount of pressure. You're not enough that you're going to hurt or bruise them, but enough that you're like, oh, these are your intestines a little bit in there. Cool. Mm-hmm. That's fun. So like like it, as if your pediatrician was palpating their and belly. And you're going clockwise as yeah. you are from your perspective. Yeah. So you're looking at your baby. Your baby's belly is a clock. That's what you're doing. And then after you do that once or twice, how many times you want, I'd like to do downward stripes from the ribs down to the pelvis. From left to right? I don't know. Or right to left? I just fucking do them however. I'm sure there's a way you're supposed to. Probably do it from left to right. your left to right because yeah. of the way the <laughs> intestines are. Yeah. Then, right, that's how the what the whole directional thing is. Um, then you're going to take baby's legs and bicycle them, do some fucking aerobics, squat, squat, bicycle legs. And usually when you start bicycle legging, you start hearing farts and you're like, oh, God. <laughs> It's happening. Get the Tupperware. Right. Um, So I often tell people just, like, have your baby naked on, like, a puppy pad while you do this Mm -hmm. because, like, it's not worth the diaper. And you can do it a couple of times. I can tell you, folks, I have told this to so many clients and typically within five hours, they all send me a text back saying, you should have warned me about how much poop was going to come out. (laughs) And I'm like, but I did. But okay. I'm just happy your baby pooped. (laughs) Yay. Um, But for some babies, it takes a couple of times. You can do this twice a day, every day till they poop. You know, that's fine. Um, My son went through a phase only pooping once every two weeks. So for like three months, you know, he pooped like five times, which is just crazy to think about. Um, It was nice, though, because no poopy diapers. And it would be like day 13. I'd be like, all right, son, time to poop. And we'd do this massage. And I would literally have him in my lap doing the massage like his back was to my belly. And I would sit him. I'd be cross-legged with a little Tupperware in my crotch. And I'd sit his little butt on it. And I'd massage, and then I'd psych his knees back to his chest, and he would poop out, like, so much poop, Heather. It was, like, several measuring cups of, like, like three whole cups of baby poop. I bet he felt so much better after that. Oh, my gosh. So did we all. So did we all. (laughs) And you will, too, now that you know what's normal and not, because... I definitely had that moment when my son hadn't pooped for five to seven days. Yeah. And I I was ready to go to CVS and get him an enema. Yeah, don't do that without medical attention. Yeah, what yeah. was I thinking? But, like, that's what postpartum anxiety looks right. like. Right, and, that, and that's okay if you're thinking about that. A lot of people like to stimulate the rectum also, but I really advise a lot of caution with that because the rectum is very sensitive. Uh, anyway, it's easy to perforate if you're not careful. Don't put anything in there. Right. I would say just get a Q-tip with a little Vaseline on it and just go around the outside of the anus. Yeah, just the anus. Don't Um, go in there. Yeah, don't, like, shove a thermometer up there to stimulate it. It might work, but, again, like, you could really um, hurt your baby that way. And don't just go get an enema from the drugstore. Call your pediatrician. Your pediatrician, if they're really concerned, will tell you how to properly acquire and use an enema, and they might want to do it in office. Yeah, because they probably want to look and see what the hell's going right, on. Right, because if you really have to do that, something else is happening. Right. But that's what postpartum anxiety looks like, and that's why <sighs> yeah, I was like no shame for thinking that. I thought about it, too. Yeah, and also, like, something about having that much anxiety at the time makes it almost impossible to find the information for yourself. <laughs> I know. You're like, why doesn't Google have it? I know. So, like, if you have a friend that has a little baby 
um, please share this with them yeah. so they just know that it's available. Because sometimes when you are just in that swirly, twirly headspace and you latch onto a stupid idea like giving your baby an enema and that's all you can see, it's really helpful to have somebody be like, oh, hey, did here's you some he- other stuff. Here's yeah. some other stuff. And here's a good evidence-based, reliable thing to look at. Right. You know, so the real moral of this story is that every baby has their own normal poop and pee schedule. And those change over time with development, with food types, feeding habits, illnesses, whatever. So this is all really individual, and these are just guidelines. Oh, my God, another 40-minute episode. Happy pooping. This was supposed to be a pod snack. Love (laughs) y'all. Okay, bye. Whoops. Thanks for listening to The Milk Minute. If you haven't already, please like, subscribe, and review our podcast wherever you listen. If you'd like to support our podcast, you can find us on Patreon at patreon.com slash milkminutepodcast. To send us feedback, personal stories, or just to chat, you can send us an email at milkminutepodcast at gmail.com. It's a minute!